Welcome to Ask the Expert. Um, today, we are very pleased to have with us Dr. Kalpana Mandal. She's a postdoctoral researcher at the Tarasaki Institute in Los Angeles. And her work centers around oxygen generating microparticles for ischemic injury. Really interesting. I'm very interested to see how, um, what she's thinking about um, or where she is in this technology development. And then what she's thinking about like whether or not this might even be applicable to eyelid implantation uh, and the like. So I'm really interested to hear about this, Dr. Mandel. Thank you so much for joining us. Do you wanna give us a quick uh, brief bio? Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity, uh, Monica. And uh, I am really delighted today to talk here and uh, looking forward to the collaboration and the opportunity to, uh, to use my technology in uh, diabetic patients. If it can be transplanted, it will be great. Um, so I will show today what I'm going to do today as uh, it is. So um, what my background is. So first of all, uh, I did I didn't. I don't come from a, a medical background, so I did my uh, bachelor's and master's in physics. But then I was very motivated to do uh, biophysics. So during my undergrad training, I was doing some biophysics project with cancer research, and that motivated me to move towards. Uh, uh, biophysics research, and then I moved to uh, France uh, for my PhD, where I worked on the role of extracellular matrix, how it is regulating intercellular organization and force generation. But that was more fundamental question and applying physics in um, biological system. But I wanted more in the uh, medical side, how I can uh, use my technique and knowledge to improve and uh, help in healthcare uh, you know, spectrum. So then I started working in the biomedical field and in past I have worked in uh, liver cancer uh, research where I was working to um, develop um, and understand um, different biomaterials and how the mechanical properties of the biomaterials are regulating the uh, force generation or the cell function. So yeah. that was in past, yeah. No, that's fantastic. It sounds like you have sort of uh, excellent training to kind of uh, you know address these questions. Yeah, so I am uh, happy to work at the interface and I think I really enjoy this kind of environment where I can work with uh, medical doctors, engineers, physicists, biologists, or bioinformatician. So I think uh, th those sort of environment helps uh, to solve a problem very quickly. Yeah, I agree. And is this, is this the case for the Terasaki Institute for Biomedical Innovation? Do you feel it's a very collaborative space there in Los Angeles? Yes, I think that this institute, though it's it's this direction is is new, um, uh, the one we are working right now. But I think it has very great future because um, it it is very focused on transplantation and uh, it has um, different uh, different uh, departments where there are biomaterials research, then cancer immunoengineering, and then uh, you know wearable devices and electronics. So different kinds of aspects and uh, there are doctors as well. And uh, the collaboration with uh, uh, academia and industry is very strong. There are a lot of uh, funded projects from industry, which is really uh, you know, uh, helping us to see and visualize 
how a product which we are doing in the laboratory can be translated and could be improved for uh, humankind. So I think it is very a uh, great opportunity for us, uh, for this institute. And yeah, uh, no, I agree. And I and we actually interviewed uh, Dr. Ali uh, Karmasani a year and a half ago, I guess, um, realizing that he came from MIT and he had this really great vision of wedding yes. um, both, you know, the science, academic research and industry. And it looks like you're at the forefront of that. So I cannot wait to hear uh, more about your work. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a very, very uh, great opportunity for us. Yeah. So without any delay, I will go to my next slide where I say the eyelid transplantation. So the major problem here is with type 1 diabetes that uh, the patient's immune system is destroying their um, eyelid cells. And um, so uh, to improve that, um, so there are eyelid transplantation, people are uh, you know, working on that. But that is also not uh, happening because uh, the immune system, again, is destroying. So what people do is, um, so the researchers, they have uh, implanted the cells in a polymeric environment so that it cannot be destroyed easily until it's vascularized and everything uh, is set there, uh, implanted properly. But in that case, uh, the main reason is that when it is inside the polymeric uh, uh, network, um, in a mesh, the supply of nutrients and oxygen is very limited and then cells die. So here, I think that uh, it, this is not only uh, in, in case of uh, diabetic patients, because it, this is a major problem when there is a tissue implant, uh, uh, engineered tissue implanted in the body and um, the vascularization is a major issue because uh, that is the, uh, in case of uh, if there is no vascularized network, nutrient supply and the oxygen supply will be limited. And in the um, big tissue construct, it's more problem. So uh, I will uh, discuss more. So uh, here in case of eyelid transplant, what happens? There are no vascularized network where they can get the oxygen supply in this transplanted uh, uh, tissues. So uh, these uh, problems, I try to address in my research. And then not only in this, uh, the, at the single cell level, what happens when there is no oxygen supply? So at the single cell levels, you can see that there is a, a much more loss production. There is upregulation of metophagy. And then there are hypoxia inducible factor, which is like constantly degraded in normal condition. But if there is no oxygen supply, it upregulates. And there is apoptosis, cell death, uh, in the uh, uh, implanted tissue. So there are a uh, major challenge in the tissue engineering field uh, uh, with this supply of oxygen and this hypoxic core uh, occurs in the tissue implant. So another uh, issue with this uh, is that when uh, there is hyper, hyper um, glycemia, so there is a cardiac insulin resistant. And then there is a, also oxidative stress. And you can see that there is mass, uh, microvascular dysfunction as well, and which leads to a heart failure in the end because there are other uh, things happening like such as fibrosis, cardiac stiffness, and uh, cardiac uh, dystolic and systolic dysfunction. So there are major uh, problem occurs when there is hypoxia in case of uh, uh, hyperglycemia uh, as well. 
And then when the heart uh, uh, failure happens and during the transplantation, what happens? So uh, the heart can be preserved in, in the window of four hours roughly, but then, uh, um, then the ischemic injury uh, and the ischemic time is uh, prolonged. And then this uh, allograft transplantation and that is uh, uh, re rejected by the patient and increases the mortality. So in 2017 report, there are 8,000 hearts are uh, wasted and approximately 20 deaths per day. Uh, because of the delay of uh, uh, organ transplantation, because then if it is delayed and then it will be more uh, ischemic uh, uh, condition for prolonged time. And um, uh, so for all these reasons, so uh, as we see that there are major challenges with the oxygen supply. So we come up with a solution where we can uh, uh, supply the oxygen in a given uh, 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 in a particular way, because you cannot perfuse the uh, gas uh, in a large amount because you need like uh, for a, uh, let's say I, for in case of ILEP transplantation, you need, you need 100 mm uh, AG uh, uh, oxygen for that, but you cannot just with a gas supply, you cannot do that. So you really need to come up with a solution where you can supply oxygen in a sustained manner and enough amount that the cells does not die and it gets enough amount of oxygen. Yeah, very tricky balance. Yes, it is very tricky balance. Yes. Then the sustained amount of oxygen is and sustaining the amount is very important here because you can uh, supply the oxygen with different ways, but in sustained manner, it is the important here because if it's too much oxygen, then also cell will die. There will be effect on the uh, cells as well. So this balance is very important. So here we are trying to solve this problem and increasing the tissue fun functionality post-transplantation or, uh, in, in, uh, or after organ transplantation, any kind of either tissue or organs such as heart. So here I will show how uh, we are working with the um, uh, microparticles. So previously we have done uh, oxygen releasing biomaterials. So where we have used uh, calcium peroxide as a powder, and um, when we put it in a, in a uh, uh, polymer matrix, what happens? This calcium, when a uh, calcium peroxide, when it is in touch with uh, 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 like media, it has a burst release. It's, it has too much oxygen. So it's not a sustained manner they can release. So then we came up with an idea that if we can encapsulate them in, in a uh, polymer, then we can see if it's releasing in a, uh, uh, at a certain rate, which we are expecting for in vivo, uh, you know, implantation. So yes, uh, so uh, the way we have uh, done this, so we created uh, oxygen releasing particles uh, with calcium peroxide using uh, PLGA polymer. And then we try to see, as I said, that in case uh, uh, um, of this hyperglycemia, there is a cardiac stiffness. And then we try to see how the contractility is affecting when we are adding this particle. And we try to measure the forces and try to see the functionality before implantation. And then we tried in, in rabbit hearts uh, for the transplantation and then see whether how the ischemic injury is improved uh, with our particles. So this is the outline of the talk. So I will... Um, Go maybe a little quickly. Uh, how much time I have? Okay, I have 15 minutes. Yeah, it's fine if we go a little over. It's totally fine. Okay. okay. I really just, the, the main thing is we want to 
you know, um, really hear your story. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, uh, so then we uh, prepared this particle without using uh, uh, water because that will decompose the uh, uh, reagents immediately into oxygen. So we don't want that. So we prepared in, with emulsion method in an organic solvent. And then we prepared different, um, different uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, concentration of particles here, as you can see, that CPO-PLGA ratio, you can see here, uh, just to optimize. And the main goal is to achieve a sustained amount of oxygen uh, as like in vivo. So we tried these three different concentration and then the way it will work. So uh, we have PLGA and CA2, which is mixed in the emulsion method. And then when this is in contact with water, uh, it starts decomposing like calcium hydroxide and hydrogen peroxide. But then in, in the solution, if we have catalyst, then this H2O2 breaks this, uh, this catalyst breaks the hydrogen peroxide into oxygen and uh, water. So this can is I the main mechanism. A, oh, sorry. Can I just ask one quick question? Sure, so sure. Is this microparticle, you know, uh, fine with being implanted in vivo? I mean, is this... Is it, it, what's the level of toxicity? Um, I, I guess I want to ask how, how, um, you know, how safe is it to implant yeah. in the body? Yeah, so um, uh, PLGA, the polymer we use, it's FDA approved polymer. So it's uh, really safe uh, for uh, transplantation. And that is the main reason uh, why we have used PLGA, that it's easy, uh, which is already approved, easy to, you know, uh, transplant. Perfect. So that is the main reason. And I will so show you the uh, toxicity experiment that uh, how it is improving the toxicity in the later slide. Fantastic. So, um, yeah, so these are the particles which we have prepared. And this is the empty without any, uh, you know, uh, calcium peroxide. And you can see that when we introduce that uh, calcium peroxide into the particle, there are homogeneity. And if we zoom more, uh, there are very porous structure uh, inside it, but it's very few. But uh, the main idea is that when uh, it is in contact with water, it creates the pore because it's breakdown and it decomposes. And uh, uh, as much as it's uh, going inside and it's trying to create the whole uh, pores inside these particles. And also why we measured the size, because the size also is important factor in the releasing profile. So uh, if, if it is a big, higher, uh, bigger particle, it's, uh, uh, the releasing profile will be different than a smaller particle. So we see that in this method, it's, um, it is in a, um, in a comparable uh, range. But uh, this method could be improved, which we have not done here, by microfluidics, where you can uh, uh, create the particle in a given uh, size. There will not be any distribution at all. So, which we are working on right now uh, to improve this uh, for these particles. So next, uh, we try to ch check that whether this calcium peroxide is encapsulated or not. To confirm that, we did the alizarin red staining, which binds to calcium only. And you can see the, uh, uh, the calcium red, uh, alizarin red staining here, where it confirms the calcium and encapsulation. And we measured this data potential, but what it says is that the stability of your particle, like whether it will be uh, you know, uh, clumped or it will be like separated, uh, how stable they are. So that it says, and which is in the range uh, of you know, stability range uh, below um, uh, 
minus 20. So the range is 10 to minus 20 uh, millivolt. So, uh, so this is uh, in a given range where the particles are stable. So after characterizing this, we would like to know the oxygen release profile for all these particles. So for that, what we did, we uh, put these particles in a hypoxic solution and put them in a hypoxic chamber so that whatever the oxygen we are measuring for each particle is coming only from the particles. So when we do that, so you see that uh, the free CPO, which we did earlier, which releases the oxygen and it has a burst release, and then it goes down uh, within six hours to eight hours. But then in case of all these CPO1, 2, and 3 particles, sorry, this is CPO1, this is 2, and this is 3. Right. So with different concentration, you can see that um, we can achieve with 1 mg per ml uh, uh, particle concentration. It is in the physiological range, 21% up to 24 hours. And then we need to measure more. However, here I would like to mention is that this profile can be tuned by tuning the polymer PLGA. So if you uh, uh, tune the polymer uh, mixture, and then with that, you can, with different kind of PLGA, you can tune this uh, uh, particle release profile up to several days, like maybe 14 days or 21 days. So here I am showing uh, the proof of concept here. Yes, exactly. So here, uh, yeah. So then uh, the experiment we did is with uh, uh, primary react uh, cardiomyocytes, the cardiac cells. So first we isolated the uh, cardiomyocytes, then we cultured them for two days to have a, a monolayer and the uh, cell starts beating on the uh, in vitro culture. And then we treat them with hypoxia, 1% oxygen and 5% uh, CO2 in this uh, chamber. After two days of hypoxic treatment, then we add uh, the oxygen releasing particle in, and then we perform any kind of assays, which I will be uh, describing uh, now on. And here you can see that in hypoxic control, there are more uh, cell dead, but when there is uh, particles, we are using one mg per ml and two mg per ml. And we see that there are decrease in cell death and which you can see in the metabolic activity that cells are very fine and their metabolic activity is increased, which was decreased in hypoxic, uh, hypoxic situation. Then we tried with different cells as well, just to confirm these results. And we found the same results for the, uh, uh, another type of cell, Hubex cells, um, which confirms our uh, results for the primary cardiomyocytes. So uh, coming back to your question, previously you asked uh, whether this is uh, how toxic they are. So uh, they are quite fine. And uh, uh, another thing, a drawback I would mention in the end, uh, or maybe now, maybe I can say, um, because this with this calcium uh, uh, CPO particles, the pH changes during this time period because there uh, will be free radicals. But that can be uh, controlled by using HEPES buffer. So when we use the HEPES buffer, we showed that, uh, I'm not showing the data here, but we showed that that pH can be controlled with, with uh, adding the HEPES buffer to the media. So next, um, what we did is that we checked, the, as I said, that this hypoxia-inducible factor, which is upregulated in, uh, when they, the cells are in the hypoxic situation, and then uh, we showed that in, in 
uh, when they are in hypoxia, whether they are upregulated or not. And we see that in this fluorescence image, uh, they are upregulated. And then with the CPO particle, you can see that uh, the, these hypoxia inducible factors, they are uh, getting downregulated. But uh, what I, uh, what we see here is that uh, the immunofluorescence images, but to assess more carefully, uh, we uh, need to show it in um, protein expression. So we are working on it uh, with uh, Western blot and uh, uh, qPCR and the Western blot result, which I'm not showing here, which also shows that the hypoxia inducible factor is in uh, uh, increases and then uh, with our CPO particle, uh, we can uh, downregulate that expression when we supply the oxygen. So the next uh, I show you here uh, the the effect of beating. Wow, as, this, uh, is as a, I, this is a very um, uh, of a fascinating result. Yeah, this is really good result. I am really uh, happy with this uh, uh, microparticle work. And you can see that it's very clearly uh, visible. Uh, so here we were, where I was showing you the, yeah, the beating. Uh, yeah, so as you see in this hypoxia, the beating is very, you know, uh, slow. And here you can see that we could improve the cardiac breathing with this oxygen releasing particle. And I will show you the quantification. Oh, I think it's because of the video. I think it I'm is. Playing. Yeah, it's the video. But that's okay. We can we can try. Yeah, we, I already have shown. It's fine. So I will yeah. go directly to the uh, uh, next slide. Okay, perfect. Who knew that the video would mess everything up? So it is a beautiful, you know, slide and, a, um, you know, some really, it really shows uh, quite a difference just um, visually. Visual. Yeah, exactly. And you were able, quantification. were able to back yeah. it up quantitatively. Yeah, exactly. So here is the uh, quantitative data where we calculated this uh, beating and you can see that we can improve the amplitude and the frequency both. Uh, in when we are adding this oxygen releasing particle to the system. Nice. And here you can see the quantification. So um, with that, I would like to go back to the introduction slide where I showed that the cardiac stiffness and uh, you know, dysfunctionality in uh, uh, diastolic and uh, systolic function. So I think that those are, uh, are the cardiac functionality could be improved. Uh, in uh, using the CPO particles and during the heart transplantation also uh, these particles could be used I think altogether. But then uh, we, since I am from physics background and I want to quantify things more and here I wanted to quantify the tissue contractility and how much I am improving the contractility by using this particle. So what we use here, we use the uh, chip uh, where we uh, design the cardiac tissue on this uh, uh, micro pillars. As you can see that there is a pillar and we design this uh, 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 microchip in PDMS. And then when the tissue is uh, formed, in, so uh, we created the tissue, the primary uh, rad cardiomyocytes tissue in between these pillars. You can see here, as you can see. So when this uh, tissue is, uh, contracting and you can see that this pillar is getting deflected and from this deflection one can calculate very easily the uh, the uh, contractility of the tissue 
And here you can see the different staining of, uh, you know, nucleus, actin, and the hypoxia inducible factor all are stained here. And you can see that the tissue is surviving and, uh, uh, and contracting very nicely. So when we uh, do the quantification, and you see that the displacement in case of hypoxia is very less, whereas when we add the CPO particle, we can improve it, uh, the displacement. And then when we can calculate the force or the contractility, and you can see that there is a significant amount of increase in the uh, for measured force in this, uh, in this uh, system. And the next thing, so here I showed you like contractility for 2D monolayer, the cardiac beating, and then the 3D cardiac tissue. But then we also have done the force measurement for a single cell level. So the way uh, the contractility or the force is measured for the single cell, so you have a very soft substrate here where there are uh, small, small fluorescent particles. These particles are different than CPO particles. So this fluorescent particle, when these this, uh, cells are on the... Uh, on the this sub substrate, and then they are uh, uh, exerting forces, or they are uh, contract, uh, they are contracting, they are deforming this substrate. And when they are deforming this substrate, this fluorescent particle are displaced. So from the from the uh, image where you kill the cells, where the uh, particles are relaxed, and when they are contracting, so when they have a stress applied on the on these particles, you can obtain a displacement field from this uh, two, so which you can see here. So this is a cell, and this is the displacement field for this small fluorescent particle. And from this uh, uh, displacement field, you can calculate the force exerted by the cell or the contractile energy is generated by the cell. So the way it is being calculated, I'll go quickly to uh, instead of uh, explaining these equations. But the way it is done is you have a displacement field, which is denoted by uh, U, and you have a force F. And the G is the Green's tensor, which is related to the substrate property. So th this is known and you prepare the substrate uh, with a given property, you know, and then when you calculate this displacement field, as I showed, and you can do fast Fourier transform mathematical calculation just to obtain this force. And when you do that, and you can see that for this uh, cell here, I am uh, calculating, the, this is the uh, small particles and I can calculate the force for this particle, uh, for this cell. And when I do for many, many cells, and I average them for hypoxic condition. And when I treat them with uh, our uh, oxygen generating microparticles, and you can see that the stress generated by this cell uh, could be improved uh, with this. And the generated energy by the cells um, on this substrate is also higher when CPO particles are added. However, the cell areas are same for both these two cases. Then we move to uh, the uh, next part in animal studies where we wanted to see the effect on uh, uh, heart in a rodent model and we used uh, rabbit hearts. And after procurement, we have uh, put them in a regular uh, normal saline solution. And then we have formulated our media, which is adapted from um, Celsius, which is one of the organ preservation solution. And uh, with that uh, adapted media, we added our CPO particle. And you can see that in this saline condition, uh, there are a lot of ischemic injury in the tissue. Whereas when we um, do that, uh, uh, 
adding the CPO particle and in our formulated media, we have less ischemic injury uh, in the tissue, uh, which is uh, quantified by the waviness of my myocardial fibers and myocyte hyperinosinophilia. So on that note, I would like to thank all the people who contributed to this work and uh, the grants, uh, it's not my grants though, but uh, uh, this project is funded by these uh, grants. And also the heart cells, rat heart cells, we uh, got it from, uh, from the UCLA uh, NRVM hardcore. And uh, thank you, thank you for your attention and giving the opportunity to talk. And uh, I hope that there will be a lot of collaboration and interest in yeah. this system. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a fascinating um, system, Kalpana. And I, um, you know, obviously it's like, you know, your oxygen uh, generating microparticles are creating a better behavior in these cardiac myocytes. And yes. can you just, so can you, um, you know, just quantitatively and qualitatively. So that's seen very clearly. I wondered if you might comment a little bit about this system and how it might have, oh, bless you, and how it might have some bearing on islet implantation. As we know, one of the biggest issues for islets uh, when they're implanted in vivo is they need oxygen, and they we, they need to get oxygenated to function properly. Um, at the same time, they need to be protected from immune assault if they're getting um, implanted into someone who already has an immune an autoimmune. Um, repertoire ready to attack. So um, what, it, what are your thoughts around this? Can you expand that? Yeah, I think that um, uh, this would be very great opportunity to expand my work in this direction. And I think that with a, so while encapsulating this islet cells in the inside a polymer, I think that the particles uh, which sites can be controlled and uh, we can prepare in a nano uh, formulation as well, and which can be uh, encapsulated in a, you know, the 3D printed in a uh, manner uh, where the particles and the cells will be inside and then can be transplanted, um, I think, the in vivo. And that way it can have the sustained um, release um, uh, for the, for a certain uh, means depending upon how long we want it, we can tune the particle oxygen release profile and we can uh, 3D print them. And I think that that will be one of the solution I think uh, could be used in this, uh, in this scenario. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I would encourage those who are uh, deep into this um, technology, maybe Viasite, maybe down in San Diego, maybe Vertex in Boston, to kind of um, think about reaching out to you, maybe a second postdoc, <laughs> or maybe a or maybe a position at uh, at at uh, industry like that would be really um, exciting collaboration and opportunity. I think um, we spoke to Nayara Leite yesterday. She is um, working. Uh, she came out of the Melton Lab at Harvard, and she's currently working at Vertex. And that is, you know, they're really approaching this strategically. So. Um, I hope that, um, you know, people will listen to this, hear it, reach out to you and, you know, further the scientific collaboration and accelerate the work. Thank you so much for talking to us. It was great, beautiful work. And um, I look forward to speaking to you again in the future. Thank you so much. And I'm, I'm, I really appreciate this opportunity to talk. And I hope that many people, uh, you know, reaches out to me and uh, we can uh, move forward to solve this problem. In the diabetic landscape.
Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you so much. I appreciate Bye-bye. it. Bye.